0: Namo Dasa Bhagavato Varahato Sama Sambutasa Namo Dasa Bhagavato Varahato Sama Sambutasa Namo Dasa Bhagavato Varahato Sama Sambutasa Buddha Dhammang Samtang tonight is the, uh, the one pra the new moon night um, which is the it's the day we, we uh, recite the the rules the the patimoka, uh, which we did earlier today and and it was uh, it's also the day traditionally that um, we have a meditation that's extended into the evening and the morning, in the villages in Northeast Thailand, where our particular community is based, and sometimes in the Western monasteries. And, uh, and yet we won't be doing that this evening. After the talk, we'll have the opportunity to go back to our rooms and yet, uh, we never know what's going to happen, do we? We were would... talking with uh, one of the monks earlier when I arrived about how um, he... there was an interface with the uh, the unpredictable nature of the Thai forest tradition during a visit by one of the senior Thai monks, who, um, when he arrived at. At of biyagiri, I think it was, started giving a dhamma talk which uh, lasted five hours. <laughs> so tonight, of course, I could I could just go on for five hours. That would take us up to midnight. I could go on for eight hours, which would be a proper all-night sit. You just don't know. <laughs> So we think we know we forget that we don't know things are regular enough that we get comfortable and uh, and the routines which support our our training in in the in Buddhist practice and also just in our lives, whatever our situations those routines while they support us, they also uh, hypnotize us in a way so um the injection of of uh, of obvious uncertainty into the ordinary routines of our life is something which sometimes uh, becomes a you know an aspect of the training that we receive in the monastic life, and we know we're doing okay if if we're able to be flexible enough to go with it. When we don't find ourselves. Getting unduly upset with a kind of righteous indignation, which can arise when we think that uh, we know how it, it should be, how it normally is, how it was going to be, because I expected it to be that way, and how it it uh, it was said to be, and yet it does—it's not that way. So in uh, in Asia, in the monasteries in Asia, not just in Thailand, but just. Asian culture in general, it was one of the things I always appreciated was, you know, a bus at 8 o'clock, you didn't know whether the bus was going to be going at 10 o'clock or 7.30 or some other time than, than 8 o'clock. And uh, when there was something scheduled, you didn't know exactly how long it was going to take or who was going to be there. And then sometimes it was it was duly predictable. So the the patterns of our life, the uh, the training that we're receiving in in uh, say monastic life, we're trying to uh, cultivate our hearts, trying to cultivate our our mental capacities, so that we're not as brittle and uh, not caught in delusions of our own making and the delusions that we. conditioned with, that we inherit from society and and from the the relationships that we have, but rather that we're able to actually be fully with things as they are, as they arise, in a way where we're not uh, suffering, where we're not identifying, and we're not uh, trying to fix fix ourselves in a particular way, and fix the world in a particular way. And that training is one where we're uh, starting to see the times that we do get upset, when our buttons get pushed, or we feel insecurity, or we feel uh, frustration. We, we feel the tension of expectations arising, and when they bubble into some kind of uh, emotional reaction or... Uh, perceptual um, uh, tightness, those are times which, are rather than being a problem and, and, and something we need to try to avoid, they're opportunities, they're, they're windows into the state of our minds. They become uh, things that help us when we get upset. There was a... I was picking up one of the... in the monk's... Um, Sewing room, come tea room. I don't know what you call that place—the common room there with sewing machines and everything else in it. They also had some little magazines from the Amravati uh, uh, kind of event schedule called "Looking Ahead," and there was a quote on it from Madan Sameta from a long time ago, which I remember actually about how community life is like uh, can be likened to. Um, one of those rock-polishing machines where you, you put the pebbles into a machine and it spins them up so that they bounce against each other and rub against each other um, and, uh, and uh, through all that friction end up getting polished and smooth and become beautiful all the, the colors uh, get, get shown and, and, um, and it's the friction itself which, uh, which enables that process, that community life is like a rock polisher in that way. We get thrown in as rough pebbles and, and bounced against each other, rubbed against each other, and if we remember that that's actually part of the point of all this training, then we can uh, uh, not worry too much and, and allow, the, allow, the, allow the process to, to uh, show us the beautiful qualities of the heart. Uh, by By showing up the ugly ones, we won't be able to truly let go of that which is selfish and that which is uh, ugly in one way or another uh, if we don't see it, so we need to we need to face that which comes up in a way where we remember what the the direction of the training is, and we course are here because um, uh, one person is, is making a, a, a very deep commitment to the training in, in the monastic form. Uh, Venerable came up yesterday, becoming a bhikkhu. It's a very inspiring thing to see. And inspiration is something which helps us along, helped me, helps all of us, and is a, a, a fundamental part of of uh, what lifts us up on the path. And uh, it's also, of course, true that what goes up comes down. So inspiration always has, has another side of it, which is uh, disillusionment. And to some extent, to the, to the degree that we uh, get caught up in inspiration, uh, blindly, without, without wisdom, then to that degree we, we may find ourselves Caught in disillusionment once the conditions change and our perceptions change and things are different in one way or another and we then get the rubber band effect of the other side of that emotion when we try to ride the wave high we 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 we, we then go down when it when it when it uh, when it passes. So the the inspiration at the beginning of our uh, journey is helpful, and yet, eventually, it's the times of disillusionment, times of change, and the uh, continuation, the um, uh, furtherance through that when we stick with it and we don't just follow our minds uh, when our minds have changed and, and tell us that, no, I was wrong somehow, it's not what I thought, I should go somewhere else, I should do something else, I should be someone else. When we don't follow that, we don't believe that, and we stick through it, that's what uh, helps to engender wisdom. We, we we see that the worlds that we live in are, are created. They're worlds that seem and feel so real, and yet they're worlds that are constantly being formed by unstable and unreliable factors like our own conditioning, our own emotional history, our own kamma. And this is something which we learn as part of the training intellectually, and that is a helpful um, step and factor in our uh, development. And yet the real learning, of course, comes from really seeing it. And sometimes we just have to get it wrong again and again and again, 150 times before we see it a little bit sooner. And that's, that's also the blessing of, of community life, because we're not only in here to try to bang against each other like pebbles, we're, we're, we're here to support each other and to, to really carry each other through, um, not just the, the ups, but also the downs and the rounds and rounds, with, with beautiful qualities of the heart, you know the reminders that we constantly get about uh, finding that in, in our own hearts, which is loving rather than cruel, which is uh, patient rather than angry, which is uh, tolerant uh, rather than intolerant rather than selfish or uncaring. So this continues to, to, to lead us to what is probably, for many of us, what inspires us to come to the path, which is the, the, the possibility that is offered through meditation, through cultivating the mind, um, by exploring it through exercises and trainings, which allow our consciousness to change in ways that are skillful, allow our our awareness to deepen so that we can start to see these very ordinary and yet uh, uh, hard-to-be-free-from forces uh, that we're caught in, in our own minds and hearts, our emotional worlds, so that we can see these in ways that we can Not get caught by them, truly see what they are and and be free from them. So we get interested in meditation and we get interested in meditative states that arise through meditation exercises. And this is also uh, where we can find inspiration at the beginning of the path. It's a real uh, blessing to discover that we're not just blind victims of the minds that we've inherited. Right? We're not just a, a frustrated person, and that's who we are. We're not just a um, an impatient person, and that's who we are. We have minds which are are malleable and uh, and, and 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 have the potential to be to be changed, to be formed. And that's, a, that's something which may seem obvious to those of us here in, in a Buddhist monastery, but it's not obvious to most people in, in say, Western society. When I was growing up, I, that was a revelation to me to think that, you know, you, I, one could actually develop qualities of the mind and heart. You tend to in, inherit a, a fixed picture of yourself as being a, a kind person or an unkind, or less kind person. Uh, or a calm person, or, or not calm person, or a wise person, or not wise person. But the the development and uh, uh, nurturing, cultivation of wisdom, is something which, which uh, you know, we, I wasn't taught that that you could actually do. So the spiritual path, the Buddhist path, is one where where we 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 uh, know. That that is possible, and, and give ourselves to, um, give ourselves to it in a way which we hope, and our are with that this inspiration, we hope will, will 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 achieve results. And that whole way of, of looking at it is is a useful fiction in a sense. The the achieving achieving results, we must achieve results. We must find ways to uh, uh, be effective when we're working with unskillful states, if that's what we find, and to find ways to abandon those unskillful states and, and uh, uh, engender skillful states. So these are, are results that we try to achieve. And yet, in a sense, the achieving of uh, freedom is is a paradox because freedom is something which comes when we stop trying to change and get and achieve and become. It's something that we can enter into when we put down all of that which is obstructing the mind's peace, which is always already there at a certain Uh, in a certain manner of speaking. So at first we get inspired and we practice meditation and we come into community life and then we learn that we can learn through the uh, trials and tribulations of community life. We learn that we can learn from our own changing minds and perceptions, seeing that we cannot actually believe our minds in the ways that we thought. We can't believe our perceptions, our own views and opinions. We see how they get us caught and they they create heat and problems and after hundreds of times of seeing this happen we finally are able to let it go and then realize you don't have to you don't have to believe your own opinions which isn't something you're taught either in Western society I can have an opinion and and, uh, and, and be very equanimous about whether it's true or not yes this is what I think Yes, I think that's true, and yes, it may very well not be true. And we know that, too, intellectually, but really to, to, to see it um, as we're holding uh, views and perspectives, opinions about the world, is a way of, of, of releasing ourselves from a whole lot of suffering. It really is a blessing when we, we see that we don't have to take our life so seriously we don't have to take our, our minds so seriously. It's a serious business, all this that we're doing, because we can create a lot of harm to ourselves and others in the ways that we keep our minds and what we do and what we say. And it's a serious business uh, also because of the wonderful opportunity that we have. And who knows how long we'll have this opportunity. Becoming a monk is an is a, uh, incredibly rare and, and uh, precious opportunity to be able to take up in this life. So it's a serious business. But in in another way, we don't have to take it all so seriously, because it really is changing all the time and is not in any way as... The only thing we can know is it's not the way we think it is. And so every time we think we've got it right, all we can know is, well... Maybe eighty percent, at best, but it's not really fully like this. So the trusting of uncertainty, the trusting of being with uncertainty, is is really fundamental to the process of of, of what we call training. And this was something that we've all heard how how the Ajahn Chah would would use this uh, very mischievously sometimes to try to uh, teach his monks and and the people learning from him how they should not cling and hold to their own views and opinions, their own perceptions, and and the ideas that we know what's going to happen. In the end, he would point to evenness, and to consistency, far more than the achieving of results, and to the way that we are with the conditions that we're experiencing, whether pleasant or unpleasant, whether right or wrong. Do we suffer with this? And if so, how is that happening? Or is this able to happen within a mind that is peaceful? And finding peace then becomes something that we discover you don't need to get from outside. Yes, we know that. But even that includes the achieving of results in meditation. We can achieve very, very peaceful states, which are very beneficial for our practice, yes, through meditation. And yet those conditions end as things change. And that kind of peace then ends because that based on those conditions. In the end, what they allow us to do is to find the kind of peace which is not reliant upon the conditions outside, conditions in the monastery, a nice quiet place, and not even reliant on the conditions inside, on our mental state in this moment, whether our minds happen to be very deep and calm in terms of the state but rather a peace which is there no matter what the mental state, no matter what the physical state. There's a peace which comes from not reacting, not clinging, not identifying. And that's something which we cannot see with our eyes, we cannot sense with any of our senses, but we can start to taste, in, 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 in manner of speaking, what's been called the taste of freedom. And the taste of freedom is something which we can start to 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 get a taste for when we when we focus on you know suffering and not suffering in this moment with things as they are, rather than trying to achieve some idealized uh, state of peace and freedom um, that we have imagined, which may be inspiring, and yet in trying to achieve it, we don't notice that we're we're setting ourselves up against present experience. So that whole comparing what I want to achieve with how it is, is very much fundamentally part of what's keeping us away from a truly peaceful state. And it, it is a paradox, too, because we do have to learn that to get to find this, this, this kind of peace it's necessary to, to put ourselves through uh, difficulty, through what could be, by definition, not peace. Right? We have to see the stuff which is not peace in order not to, to do that to ourselves anymore. We think it's the cold weather, we think it's the irritating person next to us who won't stop talking, or we think it's the, the lack of, of getting what we'd hoped we'd get. But in the, in the end, when we start to really see how it's happening, we see it's not that lack, it's not that person, it's not how I feel in this weather condition, It's it's how I'm being with this, how I'm reacting to it. Can I be peaceful with this? Can I practice contentment? Can I practice contentment? When we find that and all of us probably, many of us, if not all, have tasted this at times in our practice and in our lives, then it's a wonderful relief, isn't it? Then the the, the katanya, gratitude, which arises is a genuine one, which comes uh, from recognizing we don't need to do anything, we don't need to be anyone else, we don't need to go anywhere else. Uh, Everything, all of it, is enough, just here, right now. What we need to do is stop trying to become something else, stop trying to get somewhere else, and and profoundly so. To just drop the whole project and be with wisdom now, with this. And there is peace already. Then the real real gratitude can arise. Gratitude towards all of that which has helped us to, to find to find this in ourselves. Gratitude towards our teachers, gratitude towards our our society even. Today is the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day. So it's, we can give thanks, not just for for Indians and pilgrims who eat turkeys and corn and cranberry sauce and therefore created the country that we find ourselves in now. It's all rather abstract, but the people in our lives and the the conditions that we have we have uh, been influenced by, uh, including those who have handed down these teachings, perhaps especially those Sangha of the past and the Buddha himself, gratitude for teachings which are alive in our hearts now, still, if we choose to take up the opportunity and 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 give ourselves, give ourselves to the training. So it's always a, a wonderful uh, thing to come up here to, to with This is the third time I've come up. First time was two years ago with Ajahn Chagananda. Second time was last year for the, the Katina ceremony. And uh and this is the third time and it's been also really wonderful to have uh excuse me, Lumpau Viradamo come down and, and to temple and, and uh the, some of the monks here also have been able to come down last year and, and uh we hope in the future more will come and we'll bring more on, on this kind of uh support that we can give each other. It it uh is uh it's a wonderful thing because it, it is a hard thing to do. So uh, becoming a samana and entering into community is uh, it's not easy. It's uh, in some ways it it's it's a great such a great blessing that it is easy because in those ways you just count your blessings. But uh, very often uh, when the, the when the wave passes and the rubber band Twangs the other direction, from inspiration to disillusionment, and uh, and everything changes. Then it's not easy sticking it out, and we 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 help each other, um, not through not just through the uh, you know, ordinary community life that we have in our our own monasteries, but also through gatherings like this, when we come together uh, in harmony and we meet in harmony and we disperse in harmony. Uh, and the Buddha knew what he was talking about, uh, as we all know. And uh, that is one of the things that he really um, encouraged and and said would be for the long-term welfare of the the teachings, not just the community. Keeping the teachings in the world uh, meant that those who practice and devote themselves to the training uh, should gather and uh, do so in harmony and do so frequently. It's been great for us in Temple, just starting up to have Ajahn V's support over these last couple of years. It's, uh, it's a big, uh, it's turning out to be a big project, manageable, but uh, not a tiny little place down there. And it's, uh, and yet, you know, the idea of big is just that, it's an idea. It's as big or as as, as small, as complicated or as simple as we make it. Anything, even the smallest little place, life in a kuti, as I discovered to my, to my uh, not so much surprise, but um, uh, over the years, just living simply in a in a kuti with absolutely nothing to think about, you can make your life very complicated, and bring the whole world with you, mm-hmm. all the the voices and and everything else, and living in a very big place, as anyone who's lived with, say, Lumpolium at Wapapong with. Many many monks and all kinds of things going on and building projects going on and lots to think about and lots to to uh, to manage can be very simple and very peaceful if one's mind is in the right place. So it's not so much the the place or the project, but it is how we how we keep our our hearts and that's what we're trying to support ourselves in doing. Uh, lay the lay community, the uh, monastic community. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's an honor to be to be a part of it. So, for these words, for your reflection. <clears throat>